0: Okay. <laughs> Creepy. My phone called this recording Franklin Road. It knows where I am. I know. It, uh... Okay. Uh, I'm going to spend just a, uh, just a couple of minutes doing some review because I know we have so much, uh, uh, oh, you know, we have some overlap in terms of folks who are able to be here consistently and then quite a few of you. You know, been able to come to one or two, or maybe I uh, see a few of you. This is maybe your first time with us, so I'm going to do some very brief review, and then I'm going to hand the reins over to George uh, to lead us through something. I'm I'm really excited about uh, hearing him talk about this today. Uh, we started back on day one with this notion that uh, issues in a family uh, can be the residue of emotional processes carried over from generation to generation to generation, which uh, certainly is a common understanding in the social sciences, but also a real theme in Scripture, you know, this idea of, of generation to generation. Uh, so just as this uh, occurs in uh, blood kinship families, the same type of transmission occurs with congregational families. And we talked about how uh, we... This semester, we're gonna break those influences down into a couple of primary categories. The first being rules and any rituals that go with those. And we're still talking about that at this point uh, in the semester uh, before we eventually transition to talking about how we've seen relationships modeled and the roles that people play in relationship to one another. Uh, When it comes to rules, uh, we consider the idea that rules are often attempted solutions to problems, but sometimes even in, in what may be a well-intentioned attempt to uh, address something, uh, those rules unintentionally maintain those problems or even create new problems. We also said that rules, uh, one, one useful way of thinking about and evaluating rules is on a couple of levels. The content of the rule, you know, what uh, what is the subject matter. But also very important to think about, uh, which often is, is below the line and not as uh, visible to us, the process. How rules come to be, how they're communicated, and the impact that they have on us. And then, kind of setting us up for where we're going today, we talked last week uh, a reminder of this idea of taking a, a differentiated stance, that neither complying with rules without critical thinking, nor rejecting rules simply out of defiance, neither of those represents a, a well-differentiated stance. And it's from here that George is going to take the lead uh, as we consider this question of how, how how do we know what to do? How do we know uh, when it comes to inherited rules? Do we comply with these? Do we reject them? Uh, so, looking forward to uh, what you have to say.
1: So, uh, I was talking to somebody about our class. I haven't even told you about this. Yeah. But they, they use the word mashup,
0: which uh, <laughs> <laughs> like like a music. Yeah, this
1: is like a ma- Yeah, yeah. And, and part of what we're doing here and. Um, I, you know, there are certain things that Dave has talked about, and when he talks about, them, I'm like, "Oh, that reminds me of this passage or this this way of thinking about something from the life of Jesus, for example, that we're going to talk about today." And frankly, you know, we don't really know how deep the connection goes or what all the connections are that can be drawn out. Right. But, but I, what you talk about does make me think about these particular scriptures. And so, I'm going to just introduce it and say, here's what I think about it, but I'm, I'm hoping, too, that some people in the class it will spark some things that you can share with us as well. So, how do we know whether to comply with inherited rules or to reject them? It makes me think of uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, so we're going to look at that passage today. Uh, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. So, he's kind of dealing with the things that they've inherited, and then we're going to see what is he doing with those those rules. So in Matthew chapter 5, there are six contrasts. So let's go to the first slide here. And it's interesting that he, he prefaces it by saying, you have heard that it was said. Um, so as, as we look at all six, I think we'll notice that several of them, maybe even the first five, really come from the Old Testament. They are things that, you know, but he doesn't preface it by saying it is written, which is what you sometimes hear when they quote from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So I think what Jesus is doing is he is talking about an Old Testament rule, but he's looking at it through the lens of all the tradition as well that built up to protect those rules. So he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So you shall not murder That's one of the Ten, ten Commandments. Um, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, and we all know what a terrible thing it is to say. <laughs> um, this reminds me, I'm often in Greek class, I say, do you know any curse words in Greek? And I always, I, I, I know one, Scubula.
2: But um, that Paul
1: uses when he says, my whole Jewish background, I consider as trash, is one possible translation. <laughs> um, but raka might be a, a good, it's, it's Aramaic, but it would be a good curse word, I guess, if you want to confess an Aramaic. But isn't that raka, I mean, that
3: noise people make before
1: they spit out? Did you, is that what you heard? Of? That's
2: what I've learned,
1: yeah. I've not heard that before. That doesn't mean that's wrong.
2: But probably
1: it's
4: still <laughs> It sounds, sounds kind
0: of like it does. This would sound like that. Pinning down a a teacher of ancient languages about yeah. what something means yeah. I have found is a slippery business. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Word meaning is, is fluid. And yeah, people assume that, that words have meanings. But they, they don't really. <laughs> <laughs> Paragraphs. Paragraphs have meanings. Words, oh,
4: okay. Got right.
1: <laughs> but it it means something like empty-headed. So you can imagine the way we would say that today, something like something along those lines. Um, and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So the command, "You shall not murder," what is Jesus doing? And as we go through this, we'll, you know, there's different ideas about what Jesus is doing here. Um, some people read this as saying that Jesus is, is taking the law and he's making it even harder. You thought murder was wrong. Well, getting angry is, is wrong, too. So Jesus is upping the mm-hmm. laws to a, to a higher level.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and some people in the Protestant tradition have even said, this is Jesus' way of saying, there's no way we can keep the law. Uh, he's just making it really clear that we really need salvation by grace, not by words. Uh, I I don't think that's the right way of reading this. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I think, but we'll get to it in a summary slide later. What I think Jesus is doing is he's taking the surface meaning and factoring in the way that was understood throughout all those centuries and all the traditions that built up around it and he's saying uh, those laws actually teach us something deeper about what this law means. So he's deepening what I, I believe was already intended by saying thou shalt not murder. Maybe he's making it more explicit that that would include the things that lead to murder as well something along those lines um, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart so Jesus is saying it's not not only is adultery wrong but lust is wrong too so he's making it super hard to keep the law uh, I don't I think again he's deepening what leads to the action Um in high school, I had a friend, he wasn't from Churches of Christ, but I think he went to some other church. But we had this, as often in high school, what lust is. I think we were talking along those lines. And uh, I said, <laughs> well, you know, Jesus said, you know, if you lust after somebody, it's like you've already, you're just as bad as doing it. And he said, well, I guess we should just go ahead and do it. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: was like, oh, wow. <laughs> that is not where I, I was in. <laughs> Are you sure he wasn't Church
2: of Christ? <laughs> but how,
1: how would you respond to that? I mean, if you're just thinking, well, if it's just as bad, then might as well. And so I, I want to stay away from that way of thinking about what Jesus is doing here. Um, so let's keep going. Yeah. We'll go we'll with some of the others and see been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual morality makes her the victim of adultery and anyone who divorces, uh, or marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Um, so he's deepening that, that command as well. It's not one of the Ten Commandments, but Moses did, did say, if you're gonna divorce your wife, you must give her a written certificate. That's probably, The way I understand it it intended to help women in the ancient world, it it actually, you know, it makes it uh, easier on them. Uh, But Jesus is saying that was not the intention all along for um, marriage and divorce. You have heard it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven for his God's throne, or by the earth for his footstool, or by Jerusalem for the city of the great king. Um, okay, let's keep going. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. So the eye for eye, tooth for tooth, is probably originally a limiting thing because if your eye gets poked out, you want to take out both eyes of the person that did that. Um, so there there probably is a limiting function to that in a way it was really given, but if you take that very literally, um, is it Gandhi that said we would live in a eyeless and toothless world? <laughs> a world of blind people. Yeah, a world of blind people. Uh, so Jesus is, is again deepening what I think was intended by the so what I what I see Jesus doing here is not just is, is taking the rule but saying what is the spirit behind the rule? what is the what's the intention the purpose of the rule and that helps us get away from a legalistic view of, of keeping all the rules that we have inherited uh, you've heard that it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy and I highlighted the hate your enemy part because love your neighbor is in the Old Testament. The hate your enemy part is not an explicit command in the Old Testament. <laughs> so this is this is one of the the uh, antitheses that show us that Jesus isn't just talking about the Old Testament command, but also the traditions that have developed around him. So hate your enemy uh, may have been the way some people viewed that of, uh, you know, I have to love my neighbor, but my enemy, I'm allowed to hate. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So, um, as we talk about how do we discern the rules that, that we all have, from our backgrounds, the the thought that occurs to me is we have to be careful of thinking about what's the intention of those rules. And um, as I think about things like, you know, all the things that are sins and things that are wrong, they have to be wrong for a reason. So we need to know the reason why those things are wrong. Um, It's an interesting process to go through, I, I do it sometimes with college students, and it's. Sometimes it's difficult to convince college students that things that are wrong are wrong for a reason, other than just we're not supposed to do that. And uh, there are some things that are wrong that we have a difficult time coming up with sometimes. Well, why is this wrong? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's an interesting process to go through, and I think it's the right process. Mm -hmm. I do do think we could figure out something that's bad. The reason things are wrong is because they're bad for you in some sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave do you have anything you
0: want to add on it this point? well I, it just reminds me again of that idea of, of, of content and process when, when you say he's you know deepening the, the Torah right um, if, if, I, if I am so caught up in the legalistic nature of love your neighbor that I've talked myself into the conclusion that I can also hate my enemy right I'm parsing the content so much, right? And 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 re- and losing the intent, right? Yeah. That underlies that. That's what I. That's what I hear you say. Yeah. yeah. And I, I could feel real. I could do this and feel really good about myself uh, because I'm keeping the rule. But I'm not necessarily becoming more Christ-like or more Christ-informed in my life by doing it that way.
1: Okay, let's go one more, then maybe there'll be some comments. Okay. Okay. um, So Jesus quotes scripture, but opposes how that scripture had been interpreted. So he's including the scripture, but I think also implied is all the things that have developed. We've said that before. Okay. Uh, And this is from a book by Scott McKnight uh, called The Circle on the Mount. Uh, In these antitheses, we are given the original and full intent of God, which both was only partly revealed in Scripture and had been misread by some of Jesus' contemporaries. So, I do sense that Jesus is, is giving us what was intended behind those commandments from the Old Testament, which, if you take a very legalistic view, as, as Dave mentioned, you can find ways to actually subvert the purpose of that. And we saw that last week when we talked about the Sabbath rules, and, and Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so we should learn from that, remember the Sabbath principle that can be applied and not the all the legalism that built up around that. Um, so it's important to know the reason behind the rules. And whenever I talk about this Sermon on the Mount, I, and I think everybody is. Everybody is frustrated with how do we actually live this because it seems impossible. It seems, does this really love your enemies? We have to do that, turn the other cheek. And I, I know a lot of ways to get to explain that in ways that help I feel like I'm watering it down so that I can actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to take those rules. Is Jesus making new rules? That may not be the best way to put this. But I want to take those all those things seriously that we just talked about. But I don't think Jesus intended it to be taken uh, literally. And the one that, that makes that obvious, he says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it. After he talks about lust, mm-hmm. um, lusting in your heart is the same as adultery. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown to hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. That clearly cannot be meant literally. Um, had a teacher at Lipscomb, when I was going through there, Rodney Cloud, he would say, uh, the Bible doesn't mean what it says, it means what it means. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, doesn't does mean what it says when it says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it, throw i throw it away. It doesn't mean that literally. But Jesus is saying that we need to take the issue of lust and, and all the things that that leads to very seriously so seriously that we're willing to do some things that are, that are very serious to, to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. So the frustrating thing about the Sermon on the Mount is wanting to take it seriously without taking it literally and thinking that if we don't take it literally then I can water it down such that it can be done. Yeah. So that, that's a, just a frustration when we read the Sermon on the Mount to see how do we actually <coughs> apply this. Uh, Does anybody have, does this spark anything, any
2: thoughts for you? Yeah. So I'm kind of going through the Bible in a year right now. And I'm in numbers, like rounding third. (laughs) Um, Keep it up. right? And I said this to Leanne this morning. So like back to the uh, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Well, it's love your neighbor, kill all your enemies, kind of, is where I'm at right now. Um, And make sure you kill them all. If you don't kill them all. I kind of understand intent there, maybe, um, but you know, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. If you don't, let's go stone you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I have some empathy for like Pharisees, Israel yes. here around, like, hey, I, I'm going to get totally destroyed and crushed if I do not yes do what I say here. And I can even understand why you would build a hedge around the law if you were going to be in that scenario. So, like reconciling those concepts is interesting in the morning at like 5 a.m.
0: I'm curious in your response to that, but I love the empathy uh, because it's easy to make the Pharisees or others uh, one-dimensional villains in the, new, in the New Testament, right, and when you humanize them, which, as you're doing, uh, and that's that's actually uh, where where we're moving next week is is to think about some of those kind of things, humanizing not only the Pharisees in Scripture, but uh, maybe people in our own background who have imposed rules on us that were problematic, but uh, can we still empathize with why they? why they made the conclusions they made. I, I really appreciate that perspective.
3: Yeah, you are both teachers, right? Yes. Are you are you harder on your students in terms of enforcing the rules of the class at the
1: beginning of the semester or at the end? It feels better if you're harder at the beginning and then loosen up. Because? You set expectations. You, if you set your expectations higher at the beginning, then it's, it's a relief yeah them, If you if you wait till the end, then it's like, hey, you changed. Is is this not
3: that point in the semester?
1: So uh, so <laughs> God was harder on Israel to kind of and then light it up with Jesus. You know, Jesus is that sort of.
4: Yeah.
2: But we just said that it does seem harder. Is harder. Yeah. Now harder. The punishment maybe was worse before, kind of.
1: Well, and this this yeah. is a thought I had as you were asking your question as well. Uh, David Rubio has memorized, and he likes to say, learned by heart the Sermon on the Mount. There's been a few times where he's presented that here at Artic Creek, where yeah. he gives the Sermon on the Mount because he has it all word for word. And the last time he did that, when uh, he and I were sitting next to each other and he said, we haven't heard that much hellfire and brimstone in a sermon in a long time. <laughs> Jesus was talking about because there is, there's a fire of hell warning for some of these things. Mm. Um, I just this last week uh watched on YouTube uh Jimmy Allen's sermon on hell, which wow. was famous yeah. uh, in churches of Christ for a long yeah. time, yeah. and it was. So interesting to watch that. Uh, only got through half of it, and then I had to turn it off. Uh, not well. Anyway, I, I wanted to do the whole thing. But, um, but that, and that's what what you were saying, Dave. Is is some of the rules that we have inherited may have come from a time where where, where the the hell fear of hell was so strong. But yeah, we definitely need to make. Uh, bridge a fence around these laws. Yes. Yeah. So, piggybacking on the Ryan said, I think about it from the perspective of the enemy
2: in the Old Testament, things have definitely gotten a lot better in the New Testament. But you're gonna kill everybody in the Old Testament, right? So now you're gonna receive love from the baby. Yeah. So, that's late in the semester, that's when you skip the final and split past. That's <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: Uh, I think the, the one you put on the previous slide, Jesus says, um, love your enemies, so that you may be children of your father and heaven, right? So you, um, you're talking about reasons, and he gives this really profound reason mm. that I think ties almost everything together. Right. So from Genesis 1 on, uh, this is the idea. And it strikes me that he is neither... It's not just intensifying, and it's not just going easy. It's kind of going in a different direction. So when, uh, so in some of these things, he's like, do something even stronger, because that's more like being, being like God. Like but in other cases, like with the Sabbath, the justification for the Sabbath given in Exodus is that this is what God does. God takes a rest, so you should take a rest. And Jesus kind of turns that around in John and says, God actually continues working, so we're going to continue working on this out. And so he, he he's continually like pointing back at like, what does this actually mean in terms of what God is doing? How do you orient yourself towards that? Not just harder or looser or whatever. I don't think in your classes, you're getting easier in some ways, but if you're headed for like professional mm. ethics or something like this, yeah, it yeah. actually in some sense gets uh, tougher. Because as you're going to something real, the ultimate destination, you actually um, get closer and closer to what is actually important. In our
0: That's solid. Yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah. When you look at the law, you have to look at it in terms of what the purpose was of the nation of Israel, uh, and the law. This was to provide a pathway for the sake Jesus to come and, and to keep that group as pure as they could be And don't all the laws have to be passed through that particular reason for their existence. Yeah So if there's a difference after after the Savior came I think maybe Israel had a special place with God, but they they had fulfilled their purpose.
1: Yeah, and I do, I do think, and it's come up a few times in our discussion in this class, how, like when we were talking about Galatians and circumcision, and Paul put his foot down and said, no, uh, Gentiles are, do not have to be circumcised. And the fact that he put his foot down there says something about how, Christians relate to circumcision and what it means about keeping all the laws, and it means that even for a Jewish person now, your relationship to the law is different because the fulfillment has come in Jesus. Well, the killing of all the enemies—that
5: was that was to get them out of the way where they yep. wouldn't contaminate the purity of the right
1: of the uh, right uh, Israelites. And since God was revealing Himself through a nation state, that means like war and things like that have a different purpose for them. Um, yeah, I think that fulfillment happens, but what Jesus is doing here as well is the, the, I think the spirit of those commands and the Ten Commandments, and maybe we can say all the laws in some way, there may be some spirit that would still apply to us today. Uh, like I used to think all the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament except keep the Sabbath. Mm. But I don't say that anymore because it seems like the spirit of the Sabbath still applies to us, and we need to find ways to yes. to honor the purpose of that law, even if we don't uh, keep it uh, the way the Jews did right. and, and all the, the traditions that developed about what constituted work and that type of
2: thing. So when he said it it, like heads a different direction, (coughs) or maybe it's a a, a relationship. So you don't you love your enemy because they're children of God, and maybe we need to start looking at other people that way. Um, Maybe you don't you don't look at a woman with you know if you think of lustfully in your heart, you don't see her as a child of God or you know it's, it seems maybe it's a relationship thing he's pointing to relationships I don't know um, yes. this is why because you should be looking at them like children of God and yeah. people who yeah. God loves
4: yeah.
2: and pray for them and,
1: um, yeah. I think the relational dynamic does help a lot yes um, and I've heard people say that love your enemy mm-hmm. That are following that rule happens most often in our families because we tend not think of it as like other countries or something like that. But it's like most of the time, that's going to be your family. Your family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, there's some truth to that. Great. Um, let's look at one more thing. Um, this is from Luke 11, and uh, I'm al- I always it caused, caused me to pause as I read this and try to teach through this. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give... So he's he's a list of woes, and he's really pointing out how the Pharisees can be hypocritical. But he says, you give a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. So if we just stop there, I'm fine with this. I think, mm. yeah, this is right. Um, right. Let's stop there. Um, and what he's saying is, you know there are parts of the law that are more important than others so justice and the love of god is the spirit of what all these laws mean and you're so meticulous in the the tithing rule to tithe from all your possessions that you go through your spice rack and you tithe your oregano and your allspice or whatever it is um, <laughs> And, and he's saying, you know, you you do your real materials on that, but you're not you're not you know, these big principles you're neglecting. Uh, I wish he stopped there, but he says you should have practiced the latter, the just justice and the love of God, without leaving the former undone. I wish he hadn't said that part, <laughs> because does that mean that he's saying, yeah, you do need to tithe your spices, don't stop doing that. You need to do both of these things. Mm. How do you guys think about that? Yeah. What, what was the purpose of the tithe? Was to support oh, an entire tribe? Yeah, you know, the Levites. Levites, that's right. We yeah, so the they had to. They do not mm. want to starve today. Yeah,
5: and they need spice. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, also, their money and everything. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: yeah. Yes. I, I, I was always taught with this, you don't get to pick your favorites. And neither do you. you know, because we look at that, we go, "Yeah, justice, love of God, that's what." And, oh, and,
0: I see. Yeah, you, okay. you Go yep.
3: this other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we all do that. You know, we, you'll you'll see people talk about reconciliation, but they don't talk about justice. Yeah. You, you know, people talk about they they focus on loving their neighbors, but not on loving their enemies. And, and and that's sort of what's going on here. Good on you for doing this, but do both. It's not an either-or situation. And when you want to stop at that first sentence, the tendency is, I value this more
1: than this. Yeah. But you don't get to pick your favorites. And I have this thought sometimes when the phrase that, that we tend to use, well, is this a salvation issue? <laughs> uh, okay, is this a
0: salvation issue?
3: Okay. If you're asking that question, that's the
0: salvation. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to you talk about that, Brian, I'm I'm thinking about it through this lens of differentiation that um, uh, sometimes seeing the and in something is the most differentiated stance, right? Um, It's it's easy for me to over-respond or under-respond, but where do I find the middle, right? Um, it's easy for me to gravitate toward my head or to my heart. How do I integrate those things? And and seeing that there's an and here, and, and I can't simply um, uh, gravitate toward one and, and neglect the other, that's not a, that's not a differentiated approach.
3: God, God is more of both and God than an
0: either or God. Interesting.
3: And
1: then maybe the sense I get is... If you are tithing from your spice rack with the right spirit, understanding the fact that I'm doing this means I need to be more loving and just Mm -hmm. toward... I mean, that that can be an act that shows I really do care about other people versus just I'm doing this to follow some legalistic tithing rule. So if we understand, maybe that's what Jesus is saying. If you understand, and he, he says in this context, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. So you know, there's a legalistic way of just keeping the laws without understanding them, but if you're keeping the laws with understanding, that's that's true righteousness. If if those laws can lead you to understanding the spirit. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I I just wanna mention a couple things here in the in the last few minutes that sort of set a direction for um the next couple weeks and uh this class is so much better because of who's in it and and the contributions that that y'all are making and i'm over here taking notes about what george is saying taking notes about comments that the group is making uh I, i know we're about to head into spring break season and so some of you may not be able to be with us consistently for a couple weeks. Um, uh, but if, you, if you're out, you know, uh, we're, we'll do our best to find one way or another to keep the recordings going. And those are available on the website. If you'd like to go back and listen to the previous recordings, they're there on the, on the OC website. Uh, but thinking about the next week or two ahead of us. Uh, I, th- again this comment uh, about I can understand I can have some empathy for where these rulemakers are coming from uh, I, 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 th- I agree and um, in order to address that um, I want to share something from uh, Beth Moore actually and her autobiography just came out and uh, Anna got it a, a signed copy and read it fast, right? I mean, it uh, it was a really quick read. But she was reading that Beth Moore autobiography this week. It reminded me of something that I had read in Beth Moore years ago. This was back before men were even allowed to listen to that.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure she talks a lot about it in the autobiography, right? Uh, but Breaking Free, which is... That may have been the first full-length book. Was, was breaking, it, was, it was a long time ago. But anyway, in Breaking Free, uh, she says she's talking about looking back at your lineage. And she, she has some interesting ideas about a spiritual lineage versus a physical lineage. And, uh, but, but in this, this portion, she's talking about why, why are we bothering to look back, right? Why are we looking back? And, and she says, our purpose is not to drag old skeletons out of the closet or engage in family, and I've added here, or or maybe church bashing of any kind. We just need to make sure we didn't inherit any hand-me-down chains that interfere with the priceless benefits of our covenant relationship with Christ. And that that really is the spirit, I think, that that we're coming to this this content with, right? Remember one of our class objectives, you know? Uh, How do we hold on to what's constructive? You know, how do we revise or replace what may be problematic? Uh, But even, you know, the Pharisees, as we've already said, uh, they're not, they're, they're human. And we humanize them, and we maybe understand their process underneath their rules better and i think what what we're being challenged to do here is kind of bring that same spirit to those people in our church backgrounds those people in our family backgrounds how how do we contextualize them how do we humanize them in a way uh, where uh, we don't just sort of reactively reject anything that they may have taught or offered, but we do get to, as, as George so well articulated, kind of what are the reasons, right, underneath the rules, and and, and what of that do, do we want to hold on to? So uh, that's what I want to pick up on uh, next week. Are there any kind of final thoughts, comments, questions that you didn't have the opportunity to ask uh, George while he's still here. All right. Well, we're right at the end of time, uh, and so thank you all again for being here, and uh, I hope a lot of you can be back next week. look forward to that.